This morning our text will be Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. I would ask that you please stand this morning in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. The Word of God says this, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that they went, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified, and with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there none were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for your sweet presence this morning. We have watched your spirit minister to people already. God, I ask this morning you would just continue what you've already started. God, I pray that you would anoint me this morning to preach in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. God, that I would not get in your way, but that I would be used as a vessel this morning by which you can move through and speak to hearts this morning. God, we pray, Father, that sinners would be saved. We pray that the sick would be healed. We pray that Your power would be made manifest in our presence and, God, that lives would be changed. Lord, we pray that we would know You better when we leave this place. God, we ask that You give us an understanding of You. Help us to know You. Help us to see You. Help us to hear You this morning. God, we pray for Your same move, God, this morning among the young ones, God, in Children's Church. God, that You would be with them and, Lord, that they would hear and receive Your Word this morning. God, we pray that Your people who have gathered here this morning to worship You, to sing to You, to hear Your Word preached, God, that You would honor them, God, this morning, and that You would speak to them, God, that You would change them, Lord, that You would have Your way with us, God. We promise to give You, God, the glory for every good thing that's done, for we know that all that is of good, God, it comes from You. And so this morning we look to You. We pray for You to pour Yourself out upon us. God, I ask that You'd help us to give You our undivided attention for a brief period of time here as we study Your Word. God, may it stir something inside of us. May it challenge us. May it change us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach you this morning on the simple thought, five lessons from ten lepers. The five lessons of the ten lepers. It's a very common story. If you're familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard it preached a time or two. Ten lepers that are cleansed by Jesus. One of them comes back to worship Him. All ten were healed. All ten were cured of their incurable disease. All ten 
had the same experience, but only one came back to worship. That's something, if you've ever heard this sermon preached, no doubt that part of it you probably remember. But this morning, I want to share with you what I want to call the five lessons from the ten lepers. The first thing that we learn from the ten lepers is that leprosy is a picture of sin. There are many sicknesses in the Bible that are used as a picture of the fall of mankind. But almost all Bible scholars agree that the specific sickness of leprosy parallels the sickness of sin. It is a picture, a mental picture for our eyes to see of what sin has done to the human race. I think it's interesting in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew chapter 8, we see the very first miracle that Matthew ever recorded being done was Jesus healing one leper. It was a statement that this man, this one who is the Son of God, this one who was born of a virgin, this one who was sent from heaven, is the one and only who has power over the sickness, over the death, over the fall of mankind, even power to cure leprosy. First of all, I want us to look at the sickness of the soul this morning. Leprosy as a picture of the sickness of the soul. One of the things about leprosy is that really it starts inside of us. It's, it's not something that starts on the outside. However, it eventually becomes visible on the outside when the skin begins to change color, when it begins to turn white, not to be graphic, but when it begins to rot. And eventually leprosy would take somebody's life. They would lose limbs, they would lose fingers, and eventually it would kill them. It was an incurable disease. And just like leprosy is deeper than the skin, this morning sin is deeper than how it shows up on the outside. All the things that are going on on the outside of us that are wrong, that are evil, where we are selfish, where we thieve, where we lie, where we gossip, where we cheat, where we try to cut people down, where we hurt people with our tongue, where we act in ways we shouldn't act, when we uh, engage in fornication and sexual immorality, all of these things on the outside that we can see with our eyes and identify with our eyes that something is wrong, all of these things are really symptoms of something that's wrong inside of us. Sin is deeper than the skin. Concerning the sickness of the soul, just like leprosy, it spreads. It was impossible, once you found out you had leprosy, it was impossible to keep it on one side of the body. It was not possible, for example, to amputate an arm and then and hope that everything was going to be okay. The fact that the arm had begun to be deformed, the fact that the skin had begun to turn and, and rot, and the fact that limbs were starting to fall off, meant that there was something inside that had defiled the whole body. And so it, it spreads. It goes from one part to the other. Can I tell you this morning that sin spreads. Sin spreads like a cancer. It is not something 
that you can foolishly think, well, I'm just going to sin in this area of my life. This is my sin, right? We've all got sin, you've got sin, and you've got sin, and that person sins, and that person sins. And and so this is my little sin over here, and I'm going to corner it off, I'm going to quarantine it off, and it's not going to affect the rest of my life. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Sin will spread in your life. And when you give yourself the freedom to intentionally sin and to, and to rebel against God in this area of your life, eventually the same reasoning will allow you to let sin take place in this area of your life. It continues to spread and spread and spread. And finally, not only is it deeper than the skin, not only does it spread, but leprosy defiles us worse and worse as it spreads. The longer that you have sin in your life that is unrepented, the longer that you have sin in your life that, there, that, that, you, that you let go unchecked, it will continue to defile and make you more unhealthy and more unhealthy and more unhealthy. It will only get worse and worse and worse. The sickness of the soul also parallels leprosy in that there was no cure for leprosy. Once you were diagnosed with leprosy, you were literally diagnosed a dead man. And because leprosy could spread, once it was clear that a man or woman had leprosy, they were pushed outside of the city and they lived in colonies. That's why we have a group of ten lepers here. This was very common. They lived in colonies with other people who had the same sickness and the same disease. The reason for this was so that they wouldn't infect other people, so that a husband wouldn't infect his own children or his own wife and cause them to die as well. It was an absolute tragic thing to find out that you had leprosy. I think it's interesting that we too often congregate to people with the same sicknesses that we have. Gossips congregate with gossips. Pedophiles congregate with pedophiles. People that are addicted to greed and wealth congregate to people that are addicted to greed and wealth. Alcoholics congregate with other alcoholics. Drug addicts congregate with other drug addicts. We tend to congregate with other people who have the same disease that we have. Makes us feel normal. Makes us feel like there's, you know, this is just the way that it's going to be. I want to say that, get way ahead of myself here, but I just want to say this. That there is a God who can heal, and we're going to learn about Him here in a moment. There is a God who can change your circumstances, and we're going to hear about this God in just a moment. One of the things you've got to do if you're ever really going to come up out of that, that mess of life, you've got to make up the decision, I'm not going to hang out with the people that are sick like I am. I'm coming up out of that world. If you've got an alcoholic problem, quit going to the bar. Quit hanging out with your alcoholic buddies. If you've got a, if you've got a greed and money and wealth problem, you're going to have to be willing to let your pride die and say, I'm not going to go spend my life hanging out in these great big social clubs where everybody that I, around me makes me feel like I'm rich and popular. I've got to get away from that. I've got to get away from the same people that are fighting the same sickness that I am that really don't have any desire to change. 
We've just accepted this is who we are. And so we congregate together. We've decided to leave the hope of ever changing. We've decided to leave the world that says it's possible to be something else. And we've just accepted this is how I will always be. We see the sickness of the soul. The second lesson we learned this morning from the ten lepers, we see the separation of sin. And I've already touched on that a little bit. This sickness causes these people to be forced away from their home, forced away from the people they love, forced away from the family, forced away from society. Let me tell you something about the devil. The Bible tells us he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are his three main missions. Steal, kill, and destroy. And he will let you think that sin is fun for a season. He will reward you with temporary pleasure that brings about long-term pain and destruction. That's the way the devil works. See, God works the exact opposite. God says you've got to be willing to die to yourself. You've got to be willing to make the hard and right decisions, but it will come with long-term benefits. The devil says, no, if you sin right now, just right now, at this exact moment, it's going to make you feel good. What he doesn't tell you is the goal that he has for you is to steal, kill, and destroy and to separate you. You have got to understand that sin is meant to separate. Sin is meant to separate. It's meant to separate you first from your family, from those that love you, from those that have influence over you to push you in the right direction, to separate you from those who care about you and want what's right for you. Sin tries to isolate you off into a corner and the ultimate goal is to separate you from God. That's what sin does. We need to develop, and I'm not going to preach a whole lot on sin the rest of this morning, because I preached a lot on it last week. Brothers and sisters, we need to develop a healthy, God-like hatred for sin. Because it is meant to destroy you and turn you away from God. It's meant to separate you from your family. Some of us need to wake up to the reality that, that this whole thing is a sham. It's a lie that the devil has painted for this world and that it might give temporary pleasure, but it's going to make you hate yourself. It's going to make you be ashamed. It's going to make you want to seclude yourself. It's going to want to make you run away from everybody in your life that's trying to push you in the right direction. It's going to make it where you don't feel like coming to God. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like coming to church. Sin is meant to separate. It is an awful, terrible disease. We learn from the ten lepers. First, of the sickness of the soul. Second, of the separation of sin. But here's where things begin to change. And I pray that for the next three points you give me your undivided attention. We also learn of the searching of the shepherd. The searching of the shepherd. I know in our text, which just gives us a few passing sentences on how they came together, it would seem as if it was just happenstance that there were some sick lepers and there was Jesus and they just luckily collided. I'm here to tell you something this morning. Our God is a sovereign God. He doesn't stumble upon anything. There is no such thing as luck in it. There is a divine shepherd that searches out the souls of men and women. The Bible teaches us that. You could go uh, just a few chapters back to Luke chapter 15 and you see the idea of the one searching for the lost coin. You see the idea of the shepherd who left the 99, 
to go find that one sheep. And we see that Jesus says that He came to seek and save that which was lost. And the Bible teaches us that God searches after us. When I got saved, it looked like I was seeking God. That's what it looked like. But after it was all said and done, I realized God was searching for me. God was putting me in front of the right people. God was working on my heart. God was bringing me to the right Scriptures. And and it looked like I was going a certain way. It looked like I was tracking down God. But really, He was searching for me. And we see in our text ten men who were hopelessly doomed to die, who had been written off by society, who had no way to be healed. And in their pain and in their suffering and in their seclusion and in their separation, the shepherd of all shepherds came to where they were and brought them the answer to their healing. This morning there is a shepherd that searches us out. Christ will come to where you are. We learn of this shepherd. He'll go to the places nobody else would. He'll do it. You might think this morning, please give me your attention. You might think this morning that you've gone too far for God. Or that you're too insignificant for God. Understand something. The Bible tells us that before the beginning of time, Jesus was. He was there. He was there in creation. So Jesus didn't just come into existence when He took on the form of human flesh in the womb of Mary. He left the splendor of heaven to go there. He left the glory... Remember, he even said to his he prayed to his father about his disciples that they would one day see him in the glory that he had beforehand, speaking of his glory before coming and taking on this human nature, this human flesh. And what is the point of it? You might think God wouldn't come to where you are. You might think your life is so messed up that God wouldn't come to where you are. He already came. He left the splendor of heaven. He left all of His glory. He left all of that, that magnificent power that we're going to see Him in when it's all said and done and we're, we bow before Him in heaven. He left that throne for a period of time to come to a sin-stained world where He would eventually be crucified. And why did He come? Because He loved you and because He loved me. And if He would leave the splendor of heaven to come to the world that He came to, He will come to where you are this morning to change your life and to meet you in your time of need. We also see from the searching of the shepherd that the shepherd is never too weary or too tired to heal us. The Bible says His mercy and compassions fail not. It says that they met Christ as He entered into a certain village. They didn't stay there until he had time to sit down, get a drink, wash his feet, relax. Jesus had been journeying. He had a mission. He had somewhere to be. We know that he was human like we were in the sense of he did get tired. He did have to eat food. He did have to sleep. And yet, he was never too tired to stop and meet somebody's need. We also see from the searching of the shepherd that we're never too far gone for the Lord to heal us. We are never too far gone 
for the Lord to heal us and change us. Never. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter what you've done. If you have breath in your lungs and you are breathing today, you cannot be too far to get outside the reach of God's mercy and grace if you'll just come to Him and say, God, change me and touch me and heal me. Leprosy was a disease, as I've already said, that once you were diagnosed with it, you were done. We have a God that comes to us when everybody else walks out. We have a God who has a way when it seems like there is no way. And the searching of the shepherd ultimately leads to the fourth point this morning and the fourth lesson this morning. There is a solution to our sickness. There is a solution to our sickness. In Luke chapter 5, there is another man that has leprosy. The same event recorded in Matthew chapter 8 that I referenced earlier. And that man comes to Jesus, and the Bible tells us that he worshipped at his feet and then said, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. It's an interesting progression that I just want us to look at for a moment. Notice, first of all, the man worshipped before he was healed. We've got to get to the place in our lives sometimes where we realize God is God. He's worthy to be worshipped no matter what happens. And I'm going to worship Him regardless of what the answer is. I'm going to worship Him with my whole heart. I'm going to worship Him with every breath, with every step I take, with all that I am. He is God and He is God alone. And I'm going to kneel and I'm going to worship Him regardless of what the answer is. I'm not going to tell Him what I want first and wait to see how it all happens and then decide if He's worthy to worship. No, He is God. He is worthy of worship. He is good. He is pure. He is holy. And I will fall on my face before Him and I will lift up His holy name no matter what happens in my life. Too many people come to God with the deal mentality. Let's make a deal. God, I need this in my life, and I need this thing, and I need this thing. And if you will do these things, then I'll think about worshiping you. No, I'll do it. I'll go ahead and do it. I'm going to be faithful, but not until after. God is not a deal-making God with us. And if you think He's only worthy of being worshipped based upon His ability to meet your little need, you've got such a small perspective of God that you need your eyes opened up, you need your heart opened up, you need to realize this is the God of the universe, this is the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, this is the one who spoke the earth into existence, all that we see, all that we know, this is that God, and He's the God that still loved you despite all your sin, the God who's still merciful despite everything you've done, the God whose grace says, even though the whole world has no answer for you, I am the solution to your sickness, and I have arms wide open if you'll just come to me. This is that God, and I'm here to tell you this morning, He deserves to be worshipped regardless of what deal you think He needs to do before you worship Him. And this leper came and fell down before God and said, God, I worship you. And then he said this. It shows how hard it is for us to get it right about God. At least he had enough common sense to go to the only place that he knew there was healing. But here's what he said. And I, and I believe many of you are here this morning. He said, if you're willing. Isn't that an interesting thing to say to God? He said, if you're willing, you are able. At least this man's faith. 
He knew God was able. There wasn't any question about that. Sometimes people wonder if God can, if God's even able. Now, he knew God was able, but he said, if you're willing. He's probably like a lot of us. The Jewish people believed that leprosy, and there is no biblical merit for this. I'm just telling you what history tells us a lot of Jewish people believe. They believed that leprosy, because it so paralleled sin, was often God's punishment on people for sin that nobody knew about. They would look to the few examples, like when God um, made uh, punished Miriam in Exodus, and she became leprous, and then uh, Moses prayed on her behalf, and God relented. They, they looked at examples like that that were small examples, and then said that applies to everybody. But because of that, a lot of times, people with leprosy were probably more conscious of their sins than, than the rest of the people. And they thought, well, this is why you know God punished me for this. And so I can kind of see the guy's mentality when he says, Lord, if you're willing. We feel that way sometimes. I mean, God, after all I've done, I mean, I knew you were good, I knew you are faithful, and I mean, I just blew it. I, just, I didn't even care this entire week about you. I did what I want, when I wanted, how I wanted, and now I'm ashamed to go. And, and yet, you know, you've got a need in your life, and all of a sudden it comes time to ask, and we're kind of like this leper, and we're kind of like, God, if you're willing. Let me tell you what Jesus said. I am willing. That's what He said. Isn't that pretty simple? He said, I am willing. No long discourse. No explanation why. Just the simple answer, I am willing. You need to know this morning, He is willing. Whatever the need is in your life, God is willing. Again, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you are from God. He is willing to meet you in your time of need. He is willing to heal what nobody else could heal. He is willing to save what nobody else would save. He's willing to love you in a way that nobody else would love you. He is willing this morning to meet your need in your time of need. I also want us to note concerning the solution of our sickness. If you were here Wednesday night, you heard this. These men wanted healed. I mean, they came. Jesus is there. They find out He's there. And they, they cry out to Him. The man in Matthew chapter 8, he came to Jesus, fell down and worshipped at His feet and said, Lord, if You're willing, heal me. The issue with the woman of blood, she said, if I can just get through the crowd somehow, some way, and touch the hem of His garment, I'm going to be healed. They wanted healed. And they were willing to do what it took to be healed. All too often, people don't get healed because they're too stinking prideful to let anybody know they need a touch from God. They want to be, they want to be quiet. I want you to imagine how the woman with the issue of blood just kind of followed the crowd. Just sat on pew number seven, three seats over, and just sat there quietly, never told anybody there was a need, never asked to be prayed for, never asked to be anointed. She just sat there. What do you think the chances are that she would have left healed? The same chances you're going to get healed if you don't learn 
that you've got to run to God, that you've got to come to God, that you've got to be honest about your need, and you've got to truly want to be healed. I know it sounds insane, and it is insane, because people are insane. A lot of people don't want healed. They have learned how to live in their world of of dysfunction and sickness and pain. They know how to do that, but they don't know how to be well. And so they'd rather just stay in their world of dysfunction and pain because they know how to do that. They know how to be gossips. They know how to be negative all the time. They know how to, um, you know, maybe they feel comfortable in the world of greed and wealth. They feel comfortable in the world of alcoholism. And and the one thing that what they really want done, they want somebody to come in and like take care of the consequences of their actions so they don't have to put up with it because they really hate the consequences of their actions but they have no real desire to be changed inside and to be made new and to be made a new creation and to be transformed. They don't have any desire for that. You never be healed till you really have a desire to be changed. But here's what you need to know this morning. There is a God who can change you. There is a God who can do anything. We sang it this morning. My God is mighty to save. He can move the mountains. God can do what nobody else could do. God can reach in that heart of yours and turn it over. The Bible says He can take a black heart and make it as white as snow. There is nothing that God cannot do if we are truly willing to come to Him and say, God, have your way in me. We see in verse 14 of our text, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest." Can I tell you that one of the solutions to our sickness is learning to obey the Word of God. One of the solutions to our sickness is learning to obey the Word of God. He told them where to go and what to do. I'm going to ask you a question that's a rhetorical question. It might sound foolish. What are the chances those ten men would have been healed if they just would have sat there? I'm going to go out on a limb and say zero. That's what I believe. He told them what to do. He told them where to go, and they obeyed. And as they went, they were healed. But had they sat there and refused to do what God told them to do, they never would have got their healing. In the Gospel of John, we have recorded the very first miracle that Jesus ever did. And in this miracle, it's interesting. Many of you have probably heard the story of Jesus turning water into wine. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that story. It's a pretty common story. Jesus turned water into wine. First miracle ever recorded that Jesus did. And you know what Jesus' mom said to the people there? This is what she said, and I quote, Whatever He says to you, do it. That is the source of... That is the key, that is the way of healing when it comes to God. Whatever He says to you, do it. Notice she didn't know what He was going to say. Sometimes sometimes God's ways are different for different people. Jesus healed a lot of lepers, and this is the only action, the only time we see Him telling them to go walk and that they would be healed as they went. But that's exactly what happened. Jesus touched the eyes of the blind sometimes and they were made whole and they were able to see. At other times, we don't know why, He picked up a little clay off the ground and rubbed it on their eyes and they began to see. 
At another time, he told a man to go and wash in a certain pool and the man would be healed. We do not know the reason of, of why God tells us to do different things at different times. But the one consistent thing that you will see in this book is that to get your healing, to get whole, to be saved, to have God work in your life, you've got to be willing to do what He tells you to do. You cannot disobey God. You cannot say, no, I will not, and then sit there and expect God to do something great in your life. He is the solution to your sickness. Thank God there's a solution. Thank God there's a solution. His Word tells us where to go and tells us what to do. And finally today, the fifth lesson from the ten lepers we learn of the salvation of the soul. One of these men actually is saved. And I want us to look at his... Let's just look at this one man in verses 15 through 19 again as I close today. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God, Little side note, since it's not part of my sermon. There's nothing wrong with praising God with a loud voice. Lift your voice to God. Nothing wrong with clapping. Nothing wrong with praising. I wouldn't want to be part of a church where nobody ever lifted their voice to God. Alright, I'll stop there and move on. So he, he, he returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet and giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. That word well is actually translated save in Matthew one twenty one, which says his name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It's the same word there. We're talking about salvation in verse 19. So I want to talk about the nine that didn't come back. But the first thing I want us to point out is that there was just one. Just one. Just one. Jesus is willing to do what it takes, even if it's just one. Church, we've got to have that same mentality beating in our hearts. It's not about the crowds. It's never been about the crowds. At the end of Jesus' life, the crowds had definitely shrank down and gone away, and He was there with very few. When the day comes that we are not concerned about just one, we have lost the same heartbeat that beat in the Savior who saved us. Jesus is willing to do what it takes for just one soul. He still cares. I think it's interesting, the nine did not return. Can I just speak real frank to you, and then we'll be done this morning. You know why the nine people did not return? Because those nine people are like most people. They didn't really want a God to obey. And they didn't want a God to serve, and they had no intentions whatsoever of ever changing their living. They wanted to be healed. They got what they want, and they were done. Let 
And here's amazing. This is what amazes me about it. God healed him anyways. He healed him anyways. You know, when we read of all the times of Jesus doing miracles, when we read of all the people coming and Him healing them, notice, there was not a prerequisite to being healed. First, place your faith in Me. There was not a prerequisite to God showing them favor and mercy and grace. First, you must become a believer in Me and a follower. Then I will heal. Because God is gracious to everybody. But here's the important lesson I want us to see. And I believe there's probably a large handful of people under the sound of my voice that fall into this area. Don't be confused and think you're saved just because God did something big in your life. These nine men went to hell. They were not believers in God. They were not worshipers of God. They got what they wanted and they went on their way. There were millions, and I mean millions, that were led through the Red Sea that watched God do miracles, that watched the waters part and walked across on dry ground, that were fed with manna from heaven and water that flowed out of a rock and died, the Bible says, because of their what? Unbelief. You see, God will lead you up out of the Red Sea so that you have the choice to be free. Those slaves did not have the choice to be free. They were slaves. And God says, I can free you and I can heal you and I can change you, but the one thing I won't do, because God is a gentleman, is force you to serve me after I bless you. And I have, I'm telling you, I've seen no shortage of people. Oh, I'm saved. Yeah, I'm saved. God did a great thing in my life. I'll talk about Him now because I'm sure He wouldn't care. Kevin Wilkes is a great example of it. Alcoholic. Kevin drank from the time he woke up to the time he went to, went to bed. I think the longest he went in like 10 or some years was seven days, the most you ever went without drinking. And, and that was like a record. That wasn't normal. That was when he decided, I'm going to quit. He'd make it seven days. Drunk at work. Drunk driving his kids around. I'm telling you, it was a stinking mess. It's a shameful mess, some of the stuff that we come out of. There came a day when his sister... And who else? And his wife at the time. There came a day, they came into his house while he was drunk at night and prayed over him to be delivered. He woke up the next morning delivered. has never had another sip of alcohol since. Delivered. That's a miracle of God, brothers and sisters. Guess what he thought? He was saved. Because if God would do something that big, surely you're saved. And I'm not going to get into all the rest of the details, but he went on living as a sinner, in some ways even worse, for several years thinking he was a Christian. Just because God has healed you of your leprosy does not mean you're saved. One man came back and worshipped. And here's what we see, though. Jesus in His humanity and Jesus in His love and compassion, this is what He said. Where are the other nine? Were not all ten healed? You're the only one who's come back? Here's what we see. The intention of God is that you be saved. 
The intention of God is to show you that He loves you, that He can set you free of stuff nobody else could ever set you free of, that He's willing to come to you, that He's willing to search you out as a lost sheep. The intention of God is to change you and to save your souls. But that's your choice. God will not force you to serve Him. We learn that God desires our love in return. It is a real relationship that He's longing for. Of the many that receive mercy from God, there are but a few, very few, that return to give thanks in a right manner. Scarcely one out of ten. Let me say that again. Of the many that receive mercy from God, there are only a very few that return to give thanks in a right manner. Scarcely one out of ten. As our worship team comes and prepares a song of invitation, I want to say this morning, simply put, He has the power to save us. He has the power to save us. He showed up. There were ten lepers. He healed them all. One was saved. And thank God that one was willing to come back and worship Him. This morning, we see the lesson that there is a sickness of the soul. That we need healed of. That man does not have an answer for. Man does not have an answer for the sin problem of this world. We need a Savior for that. We see a shepherd who's willing to search us. Is he searching for you this morning? Have you felt a tug on your heart this morning of, of, of inside that God's telling you you need to change? It's time to repent. It's time to surrender to Him. It's time to believe that He can do what nobody else can do. Is He searching for you this morning? He's the solution. He is the solution. And He is the one that can save your soul. Father, I pray that You'd move all across this room right now in Jesus' name. I pray that Your Word would penetrate our hearts. I pray that sinners would desire to be saved. I pray that people that have had sicknesses and pains, God, they've needed healed, but Lord, they're like, they've wanted to sit in the crowd and just be quiet about it and hope that maybe they'd get lucky and you just pass over and heal them without them ever having to tell anybody and then without them ever having to tell anybody they were healed. Help somebody to see this morning, God, it's their pride that's keeping them from being made whole. They're too ashamed to let the rest of the world know they have a sickness that needs healed. Give somebody the courage this morning to break out of that. To let you touch them, let you heal them. Thank you.